The text for the message this morning is Proverbs 19, verses 21 to 23. We'll read that together. It's on page 542 in your pew Bible. Proverbs 19, verses 21 to 23. It's in the context of similar to what we read, but giving, following the wisdom of the Lord, fearing Him, keeping His commandments, and finding life, and being gracious to the poor as well. And we read in verse 21, many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. What is desired in a man is steadfast love, and a poor man is better than a liar. The fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in the beginning before the fall into sin, the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and he put the man whom he had formed in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And God gave Adam a wife named Eve, And commanded them both to have dominion over the living things that he had created, to have children together, and to worship him. Fast forward now to 2023, and we find that the mandate, the mission that God gave to humankind before the fall into sin continues to be the focus of our lives. God's people begin their week with a day of worship and then head out from this rest into the many different responsibilities and tasks they have, day-to-day tasks, as we strive to glorify the Lord by obeying the Ten Commandments in our relationships and in our tasks and in our worship. And I use the word strive. We strive to obey the commandments because the fall into sin brought thorns and thistles to the fields, pain to childbearing, and a constant battle with our sinful nature and spiritual warfare with the devil and his demons. So it's not easy to be a godly parent, a respectful child, and a faithful friend because sin permeates our relationships. If we overcome the struggle against slothfulness, and we finally focus on our task, we we meet an endless barrage of frustrating circumstances that can make it difficult to do everything for the glory of God. The weather might not be favorable for the crops. Employers can be unreasonable. Employees can be slow to learn. It might be difficult to get the material we need for our job. And then important tools break, contracts fall through, teachers and students don't see eye to eye, regular chores in the home aren't done. We might be overcome by frustration and exhaustion. Our bodies and minds start breaking down. The economy is unpredictable. Governments are unwise. Wars break out and the list goes on and on. I think we all know why I use the word strive. It's not easy to be faithful to the mandate that God gave to us when he created us. The good news is that 
Not only does God know about these struggles that we face every day of our lives during the week, but, but also He knows about the fall and the sin. He knows the, the wickedness in the world. He knows about the consequences of the fall that brings injuries and illnesses and brokenness and hard labor. And He also is willing as faithful Father and able as Almighty God to lead us through these challenges in such a way that we always have what we need to worship Him. When we ask for these things in Jesus' name, He will give us what we need, whether that be the curses of the covenant to discipline us and bring us back to Him, or the blessings of a comfortable life when we are committed to serving Him, devoting everything to Him and to His service. And as we prepare to turn to the Lord as a congregation to ask Him for His blessing over our crops and the upcoming planting, growing, and harvesting season, and our ongoing labor and all our different tasks and responsibilities during the week, let us find comfort in the gospel revealed to us concerning the purposes of the Lord for all our lives. And I preach you this gospel under the theme, The Lord's Gracious Purpose Brings Contentment to His People. We'll see that He grants all who fear Him submission to His sovereignty and satisfaction in His steadfast love. I was talking to a friend the other day, and after I commented on the precision of his plans for the next 10 years, which were laid out to the month, he said, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Now, most people I know have some sort of plan for their lives. So we'll hear things like, after I graduate, I will study for four years and get a job in this area or that area. Or I'm going to work really hard for the first 20 years so that I can buy my own house and the toys that I like. Or since I'm single and free from dependence, I'm going to try many different careers and serve the church in several different places. Or I'm going to find someone who will marry me and raise a family together. Or after the kids are out of the house, we're going to downsize our home. Or it's time to find something that fits our needs now in our old age. Even more people have short-term plans for the next year, especially now as, as we come into March and the grip of winter is supposed to be lightening a little bit. We start thinking about the summer and the plans we have for the summer. So farmers are planning to sow their crops in the spring and reap the harvest in the fall. Builders are getting contracts for work for those longer, warmer days of summer, busily ensuring that they have enough employees. Families are already filling up calendars with extra or with education and extracurricular and vacation plans for the weeks and months to come. It says, Proverbs 19, verse 21 says, Many are the plans in a person's mind. If we want to bring God's order back to the chaos that was caused by the fall into sin and the subsequent rebellion against God, we must make preparations for each task that we have received. At the same time, when we make our plans, 
we should not forget that we are subjects of the eternal sovereign Lord. Proverbs 19 verse 21 says, Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. The verse sets up a contrast between what we are seeing, what we're planning on the earth, and the work of the sovereign Lord who sits on his throne in heaven. There is more going on in the world around us than what we can see. Life is about more than survival in the world, reacting to illnesses and trying to have a comfortable life for a few years before we die. Ecclesiastes reminds us that there is another dimension to life of which the pleasures, wealth, and earthly wisdom we spend so much time pursuing are only a small part. Beyond all that we can see with our eyes every day, there is an almighty and sovereign, eternal God who created all that we see just by speaking and who holds the entire universe in his hand. He is the one who has everything in his control. And to him, we read in Isaiah 40, the nations are but specks of dust on the way scales or little drops in the bucket. Our God is in heaven, and he has been gathering, defending, and preserving for himself citizens of his eternal kingdom from among the peoples of all the earth from the beginning of the world to the end. This almighty God who is in control of all things in his sovereignty has revealed that he has established an eternal covenant of love with sinners who turned to him. The use of God's name, the Lord, in Proverbs 19, which is the name Yahweh, which is the, the name that reminds us of the covenant relationship, reminds us of, the, of what we read together in Leviticus 26, which reveals that our covenant God is controlling all things in the universe for the sake of either blessing or disciplining his covenant people. Ephesians 1 verse 22 says, The Lord is above all things for the sake of his church. And so as we pray for our crops and our labor, we need to remember that the church is the focus of all that God is doing in the world. The gospel message is that the Lord, Yahweh, our faithful covenant God, has a purpose and a plan for the lives of all the children he has adopted through the work of Jesus Christ. The word purpose in Proverbs 19 verse 21 has the sense of counsel or advice. It's closely connected to the guiding work of the Holy Spirit through the instruction, the law that was so well known to the first readers of these Proverbs. The law and the prophets and the wisdom literature all reveal that it is God's purpose to bring salvation to an undeserving people through His Son, Jesus Christ. His counsel and His advice lead us to His purpose, to Christ, preparing for Him in the Old Testament and presenting Him in the New Testament. The Gospel message is that this purpose will stand no matter what we may plan. 
even if we make poor plans or if we make plans with wrong motivations. The Lord's purpose to bring salvation to his people through Jesus Christ will prevail. The center of all that he says to us in the word will stand. Well, this declaration gives us pause when we make our plans. It reminds us not to be like that rich farmer in Jesus' parable that you can read about in Luke 12. That farmer who made those selfish plans in the arrogant belief that he would live a long time and enjoy all that he had gathered in. In humble submission to God's sovereign purpose, we are taught to always say the Lord willing when we announce what we would like to do. That was the display text today from James chapter 4. We make our plans with humility. We present them to the Lord in submission to His sovereign will. That's the understanding we have as we we pray for the Lord's blessing on our lives. And such an understanding influences the, the, the thoughts and the words that we use when we pray to the Lord. We don't know better than God who sent His Son to die for us about what we need to worship Him. And as we pray for God's blessing on our crops and our labor, we pray as children of God, as citizens of the eternal kingdom who have been created to glorify God and to serve His purpose in the universe. We pray for God's blessings on the plans we make that are in accordance with His purpose. And so we pray that we may, He may so guide us by His Spirit that the plans we make are in line with His saving work. The gracious purpose of the Lord is in the center of our lives. That's the, that's the good news. And we pray knowing that we can only have contentment and a life when we are firmly planted in that purpose. He wants you to live with Him for eternity through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. He wants you to find your satisfaction and rest in His steadfast love. We find satisfaction in His steadfast love. Proverbs 19, verse 21 speaks about the plans that people make with their minds when they are trying to get what their hearts are desiring. But what is it exactly that our hearts desire? Proverbs 19, verse 22 tells us, and although it has been translated in different possible ways, the original language of Proverbs 19, 22 has the, the basic sense, a desire of people is steadfast love. You can see that, you can compare that. A desire of people is steadfast love. At the root of all our desires, God gave us the desire for unfailing or steadfast love. And if we try to make other things other than steadfast love our priority, we will find it to be a meaningless vanity and a chasing after the wind. Although our sinful natures may be craving wealth and comfort and respect from other people, 
And sometimes we, our sinful natures may even be willing to harm others to get these things. God created us in his steadfast love to show unfailing love to others and to receive such love as well. When God says in the same verse that it is better to be poor than a liar, he is emphasizing that relationships are more important than wealth. Seeking the spiritual growth of your fellow church members, your friends, and your family is more important than providing them with earthly comforts. When the Holy Spirit dwells in our hearts, we will see what we read in Colossians 3, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forbearance, and forgiveness, and over all these virtues will be love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. People need this love and this kindness more than they need your riches. Your family needs your regular loving presence more than they need steak and smartphones and an untruthful representation of Christ in your home. They need your love more than they need the lies. This is something we need to remember when we think about our plans and our priorities for the future. We need to think about this when we're, we're praying for God's blessings on our labor and our crops. And so we'll pray that through these things we may be equipped to show steadfast love to the people around us. And if you start reading through the Proverbs, you see how many times it is emphasized that being poor but generous, being poor but connected to the Lord, being poor but showing love is better. And also how the Proverbs equate generosity and kindness with righteousness. Well, the good news of the Gospel is that as we hear this and we realize how often we fail in showing steadfast love and how often we fail to receive that unfailing love, the Gospel message is that even though people are unable to provide that steadfast love in the fullest form that we were created to desire, we will always be able to find that love in the Lord our God. The word used to describe love in our text today is a word that also describes the faithfulness of the Lord to His covenant promises. Therefore, it's not surprising that that searching spirit of verse 22 reaches the triumphant conclusion of verse 23. The fear of the Lord is life, and whoever has it rests satisfied. People who are seeking rest and satisfaction and contentment in this life need to be directed to the Lord. They need to be directed to His Son who is seated above, to the transforming work of the Holy Spirit through His Word. They don't need to be directed to more work. And that's the tragedy of those who give more priority to their work and their worldly pursuits than they do to regular worship on the Lord's Day. 
We need to be directed to the grace of God more in our lives rather than those works in ourselves. True contentment and peace and rest is not found the things here of, of this earth, but in our connection to the eternal sovereign God. It's the sense of verse 23 is that not only does the fear of the Lord lead to life, Proverbs 1 verse 7 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but this text also says the fear of the Lord is life. That's what life is about. Life is basically the day-to-day acknowledgement of the Lord's holiness and His majesty as we embrace His eternal, steadfast, faithful, covenant love that He has shown us in Jesus Christ and serve Him with fear and humility and reverence in all that we do. Fearing the Lord is what this life is all about. And as we draw near to Him in reverent submission, we will rest satisfied in His love. And He says, not be visited by harm. We pray for the Lord's blessing on our crops and labor because we are longing for rest and contentment in our lives. We might think that we will get it through the successful prospering of our families and farms and businesses. But the Bible tells us that such rest can only be found when we are seeking our satisfaction in the Lord, the provider of all. He gives us abundant life, says our Lord Jesus. He alone can give rest to those who walk in His counsel and in His purpose. He alone can save us from harm. And the word harm mentioned in verse 23 is not only a reference to hardship, illnesses, war, and tribulations, but more specifically from those things that can take away your rest and your satisfaction in the Lord. He saves you, He protects you from those things that can take away from your rest. The trouble that the devil causes in our hearts by making us envious or arrogant or selfish. When we are fearing the Lord, when we are finding our rest in Him, the Lord will grant rest to our souls. And so, when you fail to plan to spend your days resting content in the gracious arms of your loving Father through Jesus Christ, who gives you His Spirit in abundant measure, all your plans are failing plans, nothing more than a meaningless vanity and a chasing after the wind. When we pray for crops and labor, we want the Lord to so direct their output that we are constantly driven to His purpose for us in His Son, Jesus Christ. We pray that everything we do might direct our our lives to His steadfast love and, and the lives of those around us as well. We pray knowing that we need His steadfast love more than anything else in this world and that our neighbors need a reflection of God's love in their lives. We ask that we might find contentment in the Lord's sovereign, gracious purpose 
to love us forever in his son Jesus Christ. And that as we also sang in the pre-service song today that the Lord might take our lives, our work, our gifts, our voices, our praise as a consecrated offering of thanksgiving. May the Lord help us to make our plans in line with his purpose to use our daily activities and their success or their failure to bring us and our loved ones nearer to him and to grant us the true rest that is experienced in life and in death by all who belong to Jesus Christ. Amen.